Hi, this is Sharon, and welcome to Getting Unstuck. I'm a spiritual coach, medium, intuitive, and tarot reader. I'll have weekly guests with inspiring stories of how they went from stuck to unstuck. My hope is this podcast helps you get unstuck so you can begin living the life you've always dreamed of. Hey everyone, it's Sharon, and thanks for listening to Getting Unstuck. My guest today is Margaret Harris, and Margaret is a licensed therapist in Waterford, Connecticut, and she is also the facilitator of a weekly women's group that I feel privileged and so fortunate to be a part of, and she has become just an amazing teacher and mentor to me. And one of the things I think that makes Margaret such an incredibly healing facilitator and therapist is that she has been through it all. Life has not been easy for her. She has endured grief and loss, heartache, sorrow, and she's weathered the trials and tribulations of motherhood and marriage and came through it with such grace and with a fierce determination to help others and Personally, I feel like the world is lucky to have her. And today we're talking about a poem called The Invitation. Quick story, one night during our women's group, Margaret, you said, I'm going to read a poem to all of you. And I don't even think you had a plan. You just had a calling to do it. And when you read that poem, I looked around the circle and every woman had such an incredible expression on their face because that poem rocked us. I think that poem got to the core of how every person feels at some point or another in their life. So what I'd love for us to do is I would love if you could read that poem and then you and I will have a deep, a deep discussion into the the parts of that poem that have real meaning for you. So uh, take it away. All right. I'm going to read the invitation and it's by Oriah Mountain Dreamer. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for and if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I wanna know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I wanna know if you have been touched by the center of your own sorrow, if you have been opened by life's betrayals or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own, if you can dance with the wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful, to be realistic, to remember the limitations of being human. It doesn't interest me if the story you are telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself. If you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul. If you can be faithless and therefore trustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty, even when it's not pretty, every day. And if you can source your own life from its presence. I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine, and still stand on the edge of the lake and shout to the silver of the moon, yes. It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I wanna know if you can get up after a night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done to feed the children. It doesn't interest me who you know or how you came to be. 
I want to know if you will stand in the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. It doesn't interest me where or what or with whom you have studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else falls away. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in those empty moments. Oh, Margaret, honestly. And a little backstory about that poem. She was at a party and she came home from that party vowing like that's not how she wants to live her life. She wants to live her life in the center of her being feeling all those feels, all those yes. emotions. And that night when I, when I read the poem in, in Circle, that was my invitation to the woman in the circle, calling each of us to live, which I think she's calling for, a more authentic life, one that's laced with love and light and the grace of um, our own understanding. Yeah. So grace I is think a good that's word. What, what really touched so many of the women in the group because it wasn't like I was just reading because a lot of times we read things from a book. It was the invitation to the circle. Yes. And the invitation to, for me personally, was how do I want to live my life on the surface or do I want to take a deep dive every day? Mm. And, tr- and honestly, there are days I'm like, no, thank you. And yeah. I think that that's, that's, the, that's the truth. So I don't believe that any of us are here on this planet to contract, I like to say, like from the glowing embers of our deepest truth or knowing or to dim our light or to doubt the very existence of our soul. Like that, that's, I don't believe that that's why we came. So for me, Arise Invitation is an invitation to merge with your highest and truest self. And how important it is that I do my own work so I can be a witness to your work. That is, that's the, that's the really important part. Because if I'm afraid of my own stuff, I can't be with you. I can't sit with your fire and rage and anger or your sorrow. No. And that reminds me, which I think you'll remember one night in circle, one of the women had suffered a great loss amongst many other, but this one was, was up and new and uh, she broke down and, and was deep in her sorrow and the rest of us sat there and by the sure grace i say were able to sit there with her in that pain with someone in the their pain without trying to fix it fade it or move it and when we allowed it's a beautiful example because when we allowed for that for her to be able to be witnessed because i do believe we all have this innate desire to be seen and witnessed without somebody trying to say oh you know it'll be better or you know, adding the things we, we allowed her that. And I think you'll remember, now I'm not saying it was comfortable. I'll speak for myself. And I heard other women say after like, you know, hearts are beating. It's just like, oh my God, like how, how long is this going to go to sit with this amount of pain that somebody that we love is in. And do you remember what happened after we allowed that? All of a sudden the woman that was allowed her deep sorrow and grief said, can I play some music? Oh my God. Yes. I mean, and what, ha- what transpired and the joy that how she could transform that sorrow into just such light and joy. And we all got up and danced. We and, did. Yeah. So that, that's really fits into the, uh, a piece, I think, of what we're talking about, because I heard you say that, to be able to sit in, in, in the circle and witness. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah, what a gift. And not fix her, 
not tell her to move on, whatever we want to say, but to just bear witness to that pain. And that was some deep work she was doing. That was some deep pain and uncomfortable for me as well at times. But yeah. for her to come to the other side, to walk through that fire, to come to the other side. And then I think she put on this great song and it was almost like, God, we walked through her sorrow and then found her joy. It's a testament. It was a real testament to the circle and what we have built that we were all able to sit right. with her in that. Yeah. And because we live in a culture of doing and not being, right? It's sometimes hard to sit still and watch the process and not fix. It is very hard to do that because that's not how you're right. It's not how we were, we're raised with our culture. It's just like, she actually writes a piece in her book about this. It's beautiful. She's talking about one of her friends who had a brain aneurysm and she found herself being so uncomfortable and just saying, actually, I think she said, she said to her friend, I want to do anything and everything I can to save you. And she, she like couldn't believe that she was actually putting that out there and saying that because she knew that she was touching on a deep part of herself that she knows that the only thing she can do is save herself, help herself. And in that, she just had to sit with her friend and how her life was going to be very different and the pain of that. So it's, it is a, it is a, it's a deep invitation. I would say it's not for um, the weak at heart, right? It is not for weenies. It's not for weenies, (laughs) right? I like how you say that. What is your favorite passage? Of course, I'm deeply touched by every passage and can resonate with them all. But the one that seems to to really stand out for me is, it doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow. If you have been opened by life's betrayals or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain, I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or yours, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. And I think that's what me, what you and I were just talking about. Yeah. To be a witness to someone's pain and to honor them enough to let them walk through that. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. one of my favorite passages in there too is, that is my favorite as well. And in addition, it was the one where she talks about, and I know I'm going to not, um, I probably won't be saying this right, but how she's like, are you willing to disappoint another? Yes. Right? Yeah. Beautiful line. Yeah. yeah, to disappoint another. And not betray myself in the process. Right. So what it, what it, when, we, when we think about, you know, betraying another in the context of even this verse that we're talking about with sitting with someone's sorrow, if I, if I go in to that, I'm going to do something to try to make you feel better, I am betraying myself greatly. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, to, to the core. And it, it I mean, it sounds so, I don't know, help me with a word here, but it just sounds like it is so minimizing the depth of what really happens just because we're, we're working it. It doesn't mean that it's not owning it, that every single one of us in the circle with our sister that night didn't have that feeling that Araya talks about where it's just like, oh my God, I, I, want, I want to save you. I, I mm-hmm. want to. And then just taking those deep breaths in. It brings tears to my eyes right now. Yeah. And I'm just deep breathing in and just saying, oh my God, what is this moment asking? What is this moment asking, right? Is, are we going to allow like the grace, like we love the word, right? 
and the light of, of what is supposed to be. That's the invitation, right? That is the invitation. Can I sit with another in your pain and your sorrow and hold you and hold me and not diminish? Yes, I love how you just said that and hold me because that's the part I'm talking about being true to, true to ourself. Right. And not diminish the moment by me wanting to run and wanting to fix. Yeah. So powerful. I don't know if you're familiar with Mark Nepo. He has a book called The Exquisite Risk. And it, it, it very much ties to me with, with this invitation because he calls daring to live an authentic life an exquisite risk. And I, and I so am touch with that, like to have the courage of heart not to forget, to believe that the extraordinary center of our being has vanished because we have lost touch with it. Wow. Well, her invitation to me ties with him. It's just like, we've just lost touch with that part of us that is hurting, that has our own deep sorrow, our own ache and our own pain. He quotes St. John of the Cross saying, the exquisite risk is to still our own house. And that is what we did. I keep bringing up that circle because wow. that's the line. You know what I mean? In, in that moment, because we talk a lot about the moment we were able to still our yes. own house, to right. be there in right. witness. I think this is so important because, and I really wish these types of things are taught to children, because I think we, we still as a society are like, kind of buck up, chin up, you know, pull your bootstraps up and motor on. You can do this instead of just sitting with it. Because yeah. when we don't, when we don't sit with that sorrow or that fear or failure, disappointment, mm -hmm. right? It becomes so uncomfortable. And when, then we try to mask it. Yeah, we mask so, it with many things. Right, it comes out sideways, yeah. yeah. And when, when you look on social media and you're looking at everyone's, I was saying this to someone yesterday, when you're looking at everyone's highlight reels on social media, like I can guarantee you plenty of them people are sitting in a closet with a bag of Oreos crying. Yeah. Right. And they're sobbing. Right. Right. But if they just sat with their pain, they could. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's not like these. I think sometimes people are so afraid of their own pain and suffering because they're afraid if they deal with it, that it might swallow them up. Like the world will open up and take them away. And really, my own experience has been the process doesn't take long. It's just an acknowledgement. That pain just wants to, is there to say, look at me. I'm here. Deal mm -hmm. with me. Instead of stuffing it down with, I don't know, ice cream, Oreos, alcohol, sex, shopping. Yeah, you're reminding me that once we do come in touch and recognize the deeper hunger for something beyond survival, we open up to the deeper meaning in our lives. Yes. It's like our soul has been penetrated. And this is, this is like jokingly the bummer of it. Because once we, we do allow for that, we really can't go back. Oh my God. I mean, we can't. <laughs> yeah. But you, you, when you go back, you're doing it consciously, like you right. say. Yeah. Hey, I'm not playing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But it, you, you can't really go back to just being unconscious. You can't. Yeah, and that's a big. And and I think I said before, no one. And and she doesn't promise this in the invitation that it's an easy journey. My own journey and life and loss and joy. If I refuse to be in touch with the places that I feel sorrow, I'm never going to be able to cultivate the ability to be completely present in the moments for someone else. And it's really just that, that simple. Right. And because, because when we do that, when we can be in the moment for someone else, it's, it's like saying, I see you. I yeah, see I, you. I believe that everybody has, I think you and I had a conversation about it a couple of weeks ago, that a deep, the deep desire in all of us is to be seen, yeah. to be witnessed. And yet there's a lot of uncomfort in that. 
in that too, because we have to, we have to accept, you know what I mean? Being witnessed and being seen. Right. I, wanna... I do believe it's innate hunger in all of us as humans. I do. I think, I think we want to be seen and I think we want to be loved. Yeah. And I think those two things would fill us up and perhaps we wouldn't have the problems we're seeing today. If I could see the divinity in everyone I look at, even the ones, and I think she says it in the invitation, like, can I look at beauty when, when it can, or can I see the beauty in sometimes when there's ugliness around me, can I see the beauty in that? Yes. Yeah. Instead of running from it. Yeah. And I mean, and I, I hear you and I, and I believe you're talking about that too with, when you're in your own experience in your own life. Cause sometimes it's easy for us to say, looking out there and saying, all right, this person's really struggling and you know what I mean? I'm going to see, find the light and beauty, which I think is, is a wonderful thing. But I like the invitation too. You, you know, cause you do work with me. I'm always trying to pull it back to, okay, am I, am I really able to do that in my own life? I'm able to cultivate that for myself. Yeah. And that, that is to me holding the joy and the sorrow. In the same place, that that's such a doable thing. It doesn't have to be either or. I can have joy no. and sorrow in the same place and that's okay. It is okay. And that's, that's, that's living the authentic life. I, I believe Mark Nepo says something a little bit like this in his book, and I'm only comparing the two because there's a lot of similarities. And this has always really touched me. And I'm just saying his name because I, I like to give people acknowledgement for some of the thoughts or, or the work that, that he does. But he talks about how our chance to be real, which I say authentic, really depends on where, what, if we're able to stay open and present to what is to be real and authentic often depends on our willingness to let the, as he says, the winds of life shape us mm. as they move through breaking down all the pretty walls that we have spent so long building. Oh my God, that is beautiful. I, <laughs> I love it. God, And I when just... we are in alignment with the truth of our heart, only then can we really be in service of our soul, which then we can be in service, service of others. Yeah, I feel like, you know, and you know me, Margaret, I'm always talking about how there are no accidents, right? And so I don't think this COVID-19 was an accident. What's no. the silver lining? We're all getting to know ourselves better and, all, and, and hopefully seeing the humanity in one another. And now we're looking at George Floyd. Yes, that's and it. The, the horror of years of that happening. And, and many people standing up and, and protesting saying, what are they saying? It's what we're talking about. I want to be seen. Yes, yes. I and want I, to be seen in my pain and my rage and my anger. And know that I'm okay and that you're going to be okay while I'm in my pain and rage and anger. Yes. Yes, yes it's laying out on the large screen for us right now. Is no accidents. And I just pray that, that all of us come together in a way that we've never come together before, that I can look at him or her and see her and see their divinity, Yeah, which is what we all are, right? We are just divine beings here on this earth, all trying to make it through, trying to make it through this crazy life. But if I don't do my own inner work and get a level of comfort with my pain and my sorrow and my hatred and my racism and all of that, because it's in all of us. I mean, really, let's be honest about that, right? It is. Let's be honest. Then I can't see it in you. And that's what I, I pray for all of us is just an attitude of, I love you exactly how you are. You do you and I'll do me and we'll come together and see one another. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. And that is what I believe the essence of her poem is. I agree. Yeah, it's just a deeper calling to to be able to be with what is. You hear me say a lot about, you know, what is the moment asking for, you know, and in this part that you're talking about with with the civil unrest and 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 the protests, asking that question. What is this asking for? So we we know in our circle, our smaller circle, we can ask that question and we we understand that someone wants to be witnessed or just held in their truth or seen. And this is no different. It's just on a, on a, on a larger scale. I was reading in her book, she was saying that when she does large events with people, workshops that, and they, I guess they break up in smaller groups. And she was saying that if someone's crying, do not rescue them. Do not, oh, move, yeah. do not move closer to them. Do not reach out and hold them. Let them do their work. That's super hard. Well, for me we anyway, it. as a hunter. Yeah. And, and we did that in, in the circle. And I, I read that part too. And she actually said, if she sees you doing it, she's coming over and she's, yeah, she didn't sure. use the word reprimand, but she says, I'm taking you, I'm taking you off. Right. Because you're stopping their process. And, and we're going to hold that story with, with so much grace because we understand all of it. We understand the uncomfort of sitting with somebody in, in that pain mm-hmm. and allowing them to follow through their own process. And, and what a gift, because then I get to know that the same will be done for me. Because right. when I'm in, in, in deep grief and I'm sitting in, in a circle, I'm not looking for someone to give me answers, right? At the, when, I'm, when I'm really in it, I am looking to be just held and seen and witnessed. Right. And, and allow me, while you're going through your process, let me just hold, be a container for you of love and compassion while I watch you walk. And I think we've experienced it more than once in our circle where after somebody does a piece of work or somebody touches on something really deep that we do somehow click into some joy and some laughter and and things things yes. do lighten up so it's, it's a really good testament to the work that she's talking about to be living it live in a circle of women that are that are committed to you know i always say one of the the best teachings that my mentor ever gave me is and he reminds me all the time margaret the answer lies within so simple but yet so profound you know, sometimes reaching for the right answer or for someone to, to tell us this or that. And I, and I do believe we all, if we take the time to slow down, take a deep breath and ask the questions, we, we have all the answers. Oh my God. Margaret, I think that is a perfect way to end this podcast. Yeah, the key to life is to go within. Yeah, the answer within each of us. That's right. Thank you, my friend, so much. This was great. Thank you. Yeah, this was a a wonderful conversation. I hope to have more of these with you. I'm sure we will. Thank you.